Hey volleyball fans, welcome to another episode of the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast. Today is another Monday slash Tuesday, depending on what time zone you are, pro volleyball recap, where I go around covering all the news and storylines from all the biggest pro volleyball leagues from around the world. And it was a very busy weekend in volleyball with the quarterfinals ending in the Italian Super League with Perugia and Trentino advancing to play Lube Civitanova and Modena. We had some semifinals matches in the Polish Plus Liga. We had some quarterfinals matches in Russia. We actually finished the semifinals in Brazil a little earlier earlier than expected, so talk about that. And I know some of you definitely want me to talk about the big controversy of the weekend, which was the brawl after the Perugia-Monza game, and I will get to it, not during the news portion, but of course in the losers of the weekend section. But let's start with some of the big news from the week. Start off with a signing, Machi Muzai, having an absolutely fantastic season with Truffle Gdansk last year, did advanced way farther than expected in the Champions League. He's moving to Russia for Gazprom Surgut, who was out of the playoff picture. I believe they were about 9-17 and 17 in the regular season, so not the strongest team in Russia. It's a bit interesting to be that Machi Muzai decided to go outside of Poland, We've seen that a bit more with the Polish players, the domestic Polish players, rather than the Italians and the Russians who rarely leave their domestic league. But the Polish players, we've seen Michael Kubiak, who in another piece of news has re-signed for two years with the Panasonic Panthers and actually just won the championship with them. So he's staying there. But he has said in the past that the Polish players aren't really paid as much as the foreigners inside their own country, which he's not a big fan of that. And maybe that is also the reason why Muchai, Machi Muzai was apparently looking to leave the Plus Liga. Again, a bit surprising. Maybe I'll talk to some Polish fans about it, see what the real reasons were. But anyway, he's going to go to Sugrat in Russia. We'll see if they decide to put any other good players on this team because they're really not a team the last few years that has managed to get the A and B level Russian national team guys, the really strong domestic players. So I don't, Mushai is good, but I don't think he alone is enough to get them to the next level, get them into the playoffs. You really need some good domestic Russian talent in order to compete in that league. The draft for the Korean Volleyball League, which generally not the most competitive volleyball league, but apparently pays quite well is taking place in Toronto, actually, just a few minutes from where where I'm based. So I might try and get down to watch some of that, see how that whole process works. But I'll just go over some of the notable names on the men's side. Gavin Schmidt, the Canadian opposite. Bram Vandervries, who I believe has played there before. Jake Langlois, who played in the Plus Liga last year, played outside and then some middle, interestingly enough. We'll see if he competes with the USA national team this coming season. Michael Finger, German outside hitter, or in opposite, Rene Tapan, who was the backup for Scraw this year at opposite and actually ended up getting a lot of playing time due to Marish Vlajli's injuries. Andres Vienna, the Portuguese hitter. Let's see, Brendan Sander, the brother of Taylor Sander, who played as a backup on Lube Civitanova this year. I think he got in for like two points the entire year so not surprising that he's looking for a different club ryan slater who is a guy that i think actually might have a chance of playing in this league the canadian opposite who actually started a lot of matches for canada during the 
Nations League and World Championships. Played in Germany last year, but rumored to have gotten some very lucrative offers after this summer, but was unable to break his contract in Germany. So ended up playing there and probably was one of the top few players in the German League this year. Julian Winkelmuller, who was a French opposite hitter who played on Chaumont this year and ended up actually playing over a lot over Wasim Bentaro, who's actually a pretty good player, so impressive for him. And lastly, Rudy Verhoof, Canadian middle slash opposite, who played in the Indian V-League. I think, I think he won MVP of that league. He was actually really good in this league. And then there's a few players who I think are already pretty much locked up for their past contracts. So yeah, all those guys heading to Toronto. It's kind of a fun process. They kind of, kind of compete against each other in drills and I guess competitions and stuff over a few days. And the Korean guys, they pick pick a few of them to draft, give them a nice contract, and the rest, you know, go to Europe or South America or wherever else to find their team for next season. But it's interesting that it happens in May, way before a lot of the other teams kind of preseason stuff starts. Hopefully I can get over to check it out. It'll be really interesting to see. So for some of the playoff results from the weekend, as I told you earlier, Perugia and Trentino easily dispatched Monza and Padova respectively to make their way to the semifinals. I was hoping at least one of those matches would be kind of interesting, but especially Trentino didn't even let the other team breathe for a second and easily won their matches at home to advance to the semis. In the Plus Liga, we've only had one game of playoffs so far, but boy, it was it ever an interesting one with Zavrici actually beating Zaxa at home, and I'll talk about that game a little bit more in a bit. In Germany, Berlin ties up their series with the Alpenvolleys, tying the series at 1-1. In the second round, you need three out of five games to get a victory, so still lots to go in that series. And then on the other side of the bracket, Friedrich Schaffen beat the Canadian boys in Lundberg pretty easily once again, and now take a 2-0 series lead. In Russia, Zenikazan beats Earl Ulfa to advance. Kuzbaz Kemerovo, the second seed in the Russian Super League this year, beat Dynamo Moscow in two games to advance. Zenit St. Petersburg beat a pretty tight series against Lokomotiv Novosibirsk to advance to the semifinals. And then our lone deciding game will happen between Belgorod and Fekel Novoy Urungoy on Wednesday. So that should be an exciting matchup and will determine our last participant in the semifinals. As I mentioned earlier, the Brazilian League is on to the finals, which they have a bit of a break. It starts April 23rd since the semifinals matches were both sweeps. And the two teams advancing are actually surprisingly Tabate sweeps Santa Cruzero to advance to the finals after a shaky regular season and a shaky start to the playoffs. They're really coming into their own Recently, Facundo Conte decided to play opposite in the last game, so Douglas Souza and Ricardo Lucarelli could do their thing on the outside. And then Cezzi Sao Paulo absolutely crushed Rio de Janeiro to take the other spot in the semis. So again, that'll begin on April 23rd, both teams with a bit of a break. That should be an exciting series. Another piece of news that is developing literally as I'm recording this podcast is that Polish opposite playing on Warsawa Bartosz Kurek, you're right, Bartosz Kurek, the World Championships MVP, one of the best opposites in the world, might actually be injured for the duration of the Plus Liga semifinals against the Strebschewigil. 
which would obviously be a gigantic blow to them. He is the focal point of their offense in a very considerable way. Gets a huge number of their set loads. They rely on him for pretty much any kind of out-of-system ball. Losing him is going to be big. We're not 100% sure that this is the case. This is kind of a rumor that just started floating around as I was recording the podcast. But we'll see what happens. They do have Shawan Vernon-Evans, who is probably one of the better backups in this scenario. Very good player in his own right, but he is still a massive downgrade from Kurek at this point in his career. We'll see. There will be more news of this soon, so we'll see what happens with this ongoing development. All right, that's enough news for now. So we will get on to the winners of the weekend in pro volleyball. My first nominee for winner of the weekend probably would have been a winner in a lot of the other weekends because they had a great weekend, probably one of the better weekends any volleyball team has had, and that is Modena Volley of the Italian Super League, a team that has definitely had their ups and downs this season. But over this weekend, they accomplished three things. First, they advanced to the semifinals over Milano, who is actually expected and I've made this prediction on my own podcast. I'm, I was looking like a bit of a fool after this one. I expect it to be a really tight, really exciting series. I think I almost would give a, gave a slight edge to Milano before the series started. But Modena proved, especially with Michael Christensen back, that they were in another tier. They didn't let Milano have that many chances. And they advanced to the semifinals where they will be playing Perugia. We also got the news that Matt Anderson of American USA Volleyball fame and Zenit Kazan fame, where he's been there for seven years playing in Russia. He will be actually returning to Italy in Modena Volley after playing there in the 2011-2012 season before heading to Russia, where he's played the majority of his career. So that is huge news. He's getting a little bit older, going to be turning 32 this year, but still young enough, still can play at a really high level. Will be playing outside for them, even though he stated recently that he does prefer playing opposite, but Modena Volley still has the great Ivan Zaitsev playing opposite, and also who's played outside in the past, prefers playing opposite. So we'll see how, how that works, but I think Matt Anderson will be fine playing outside. I think it's still a pretty good position for him, considering that he is a very talented passer, used often as a passer for Team USA, even at the opposite position. So he'll be huge this year. Modena's biggest issue is that they didn't really have that primary outside hitter. They had Tina Ernout, who's a great player, not really someone who I think of as the first outside hitter on an elite team. And then, of course, their second outside position had a few different faces this year between Bartosz Bednors, Kevin Tilly, and the German Dennis Caliberta. And the third piece of good news is going to be related to the thing that's going to dominate most of the discussion for the rest of the episode, and that's the fact that their opponent, one of their best players, will be missing the first game, Alexander Tanasevich missing that first game for the altercation that happened after the Perugia-Monza game, the end of the quarterfinals. And Perugia doesn't really have a good option at backup opposite, so this would be a great opportunity for Modena to steal one in Perugia and take a lead into the series going back to their home court. The other winner of the weekend is the Superliga, just the Italian league in general, for a pretty prompt and concise response to the incident regarding that brawl that happened between Perugia and Monza. They communicated effectively, in my opinion. I couldn't even read the reports that they put out, but 
they seem to be very straightforward and to the point in the limited Italian that I can read. I think they gave out appropriate suspensions to the appropriate players or Duna getting eight games for obviously instigating the incident with some severely inappropriate behavior. But then also, I think, punishing the other people who involved who escalated the confrontation a bit, even if they were provoked. But, you know, you still can't have this kind of behavior and not address it appropriately. And I think they did address it appropriately. But to give a bit of a lighter note, the ultimate winner of the weekend, Zverci beating Zaksa Kaczyk in Kajle, the number one seed in the Polish Plus Liga in Kaczyk and Kajle, so in the home court. Just crazy. I don't think anyone saw this upset coming for Mark Lebedew and the rest of that team in green and yellow. Fantastic win for them. I don't know if it was the playoff nerves or not having played in a meaningful match in a little while after they were limited from Champions League and then got their bye in the first round of the Polish Plus Liga playoffs. But Zach's only hit 44% as a team, seven attacking errors. 15 service errors so not really what you want to see from your supposedly elite team that absolutely dominated the polish plus liga regular season finishing with a 21 and 3 record which was good for first overall in the league on the other side of the net severci played a great game made it quite a number of errors themselves 10 attacking errors 14 service errors only hitting 49 percent but they did manage to get the win with some great defensive play, some good attacking from Matej Malinowski and Alexander Ferreira, and as well some great defense from Taichiro Kogo, one of my favorite liberos to watch, and some excellent, excellent setting from Michael Masny. Not the last we'll hear of him this episode. So Zavierci will be going back home to their home arena, which is generally one of the toughest arenas to play in. They have an absolutely crazy home crowd. In fact, in the game I was watching in this game, I would say there might have been close to as many uh, fans in green and yellow as there were fans for Zaxa Conserjian Kajle. So really good job. Amazing fan support. Again, on paper, not really a team that should be able to compete at this level, but great coaching, great execution, great chemistry that can take you so far in volleyball. And I think... Severici is a great example of that. Series definitely isn't over. Saxa will not play a game that poorly again. But we saw last year they definitely kind of struggled at this point of the season in their semifinal matchup against Olshin. They ended up winning that series, then losing in the finals. So we will see what happens this time. Either way, fantastic upset win for Severici. And just a bit of breaking news. I don't think I've done this on a podcast before, but I think we have confirmation that Bartosz Kurak will be out until the end of the season. Whether that means he's just going to miss the semis, be back for the finals, come back for the end of the finals, or just won't play again in this Plus Liga season, not sure yet. I believe it sounds like he might be available at the end of the playoffs, but not entirely sure. But that's a huge blow, as I was talking about earlier for Warsaw. Apparently they have asked for a medical transfer exemption, which means they might still be able to sign another opposite, to play in his place. They do have Shawan Vernon Evans as their backup, which isn't a worst case scenario, but they really want to win this year. So it seems like they might want someone even stronger. I'm not sure who they could get exactly. Some of the names that just pop into my head, Wallace and Evandro are out of the Brazilian league playoffs and could theoretically transfer to Warsaw for the 
semifinals and finals. Thomas Edgar and Dmitry Mazursky are done their seasons in Japan and could theoretically transfer. There's a lot of guys who, good opposites, who have their seasons done. Not a ton that are better than Shawan, but those four guys I named, and I'm sure there's a few others I'm forgetting, could be a huge boost to Warsaw's offense. We'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting if they do end up going after someone. Clearly, if they requested the medical transfer, then that is definitely a possibility. We'll see what happens because the game, the series starts tomorrow, so someone will have to come over quickly. Might be pretty tough to convince someone who just finished a full, grueling regular season of volleyball to come and play for your team in another kind of grueling few weeks of playoff volleyball in Poland. All right, now I guess I will address the big controversial thing that happened this weekend, which was a brawl, I guess. not It wasn't a full-scale brawl, but there was some chippiness after the game against Perugia and Monza on Saturday. I, actually, I watched the game, but I actually turned it off pretty much as soon as it ended and didn't stay around for the brawl that they showed right after, so I missed it, but it was quickly all over social media. I recommend you go watch it before listening to this if you haven't seen it already because it's tough to kind of get the idea of exactly what happened just from me explaining it. It's better to go watch it. It's kind of hard to see exactly what happens in the video, but I noticed during the match there obviously, there's usually a lot of words said through the net sometimes between teams, especially, you know, Perugia and some of the players on it are definitely known to get into it a bit with opponents. Monza wasn't backing down, giving it right back through the net, and it kind of escalated at the end where Fabio Ricci was making some gestures at Monza through the net. Honestly, as a North American, I'm not really sure the cultural context behind some of these gestures, but suffice to say, I was assured they were quite inappropriate, especially for kind of a public volleyball match with kids and such watching. And then apparently through the net, Santiago Orduna, the setter on Monza, spit on Atanasevich who promptly ran out from his side and kind of started chasing him down. Then Donovan Zavaronic kind of got into it a bit and started scuffling in, in the group. Again, it's hard to see in the video exactly what happens, but this is kind of what has been described as what, what happened from people in this situation and fans at the game. So the ultimate outcome of all this happening was Orduna was suspended for eight games in the Italian Super League, so he would miss the next third of the Italian regular season if he were to play in the league. Pretty severe punishment. You rarely see bans that last for that many games, but in my opinion, of course, pretty justified considering that Orduna, you can't spit in another person's face, man. That is not something you want to do. He definitely jeopardized his future in the league. Monza may cut ties with him. He may never play in the Italian Super League again, which is kind of unfortunate after the fantastic season that Monza had. I think he really helped those two young guys and Zavaronic and Plotnitschke really reach their potential. He was really good for the team. But this is just not the way you deal with the situation. I'm sure there were words said through the net. I'm sure there were insults thrown, which shouldn't happen either, but Spitting in someone's face is never the way to react, I, especially in a professional sports context where you're a role model to kids. There's kids watching at the game. There's there's people to look up to you and a brand that you're representing. So unfortunate for him, I think eight games is probably about the right amount of punishment for him. Pretty severe, but I think justifiably so. Then 
Atanasevich was banned for two games, which has now been reduced to one game. He, yes, he did chase after Orduna. I mean, Atanasevich, he's already a pretty fiery guy, and he is not one to back down from something like that. I think two games got reduced to one because Perugia, I think, appealed it and paid a little bit of cash to get it reduced. Still, one game is a pretty big blow to them. They will be playing Modena in the next game. Again, I don't like that Atanasevich resorted to trying to get violent right away, but I don't think he actually landed any swings or connected on anything. And going to be honest, I'm not sure how personally I would react if someone spitting in my face. Probably not a good feeling, but again, I don't really want to justify his behavior. Violence just never really solves anything in cases like this and really can only make it worse. Zavaronic also suspended for two games. Not probably the suspension that matters the least out of all of these, as he'll just miss the beginning of the next season. Will likely still be on Monzi even after this incident. I think he has a little bit more of an excuse because he is a very young guy. I think he's only 21 years old. Still shouldn't be acting like this, but a little bit more excusable. And I don't think he did anything too severe. I think he just got caught up in the scuffle and was, you know, defending his teammates. And then Fabio Ricci also suspended one game. I believe we're still waiting to see if Perugia will try and get out of that decision as well. Ricci not really involved with the scuffle, but making those, you could see it right on TV, he was making some apparently very obscene gestures at Monza through the net. Either way, from a gameplay perspective, Perugia won't miss him too much because they still have Gianluca Galassi, who in my opinion is just about as good as Ricci. He won't be super missed in that game. Tough break for Perugia, though, playing Modena next round. Atanasevich missing that match. They don't really have a good replacement for him at the opposite position. They have a couple of options of what they could do. Sjord Hugendorn from the Netherlands is a decent option at opposite. Really haven't seen him almost at all this year. Hasn't played much. Not, not a great player. Not someone you want playing Modena in the... Super League semifinals, but maybe could be passable and just let the rest of the team, Wilfredo Leon and Alex Berger, maybe carry the offense. You could go with Nick Hogue at opposite. He has played that position before for Team Canada. Definitely a better overall player than Hugendorn, but again, not a natural opposite. Only kind of played opposite for Team Canada at a necessity. Probably a bit of a better option on the outside, but out of all the options I have, I would probably go with Hogue at opposite. I think he would be their best option. I'm not sure if he's practiced as an opposite with the team, though, so we'll see. And then the last thing they could do is play Wilfredo Leon at opposite. He did play the position before for Cuba, is known to prefer hitting and playing on the outside, but I'm sure, given how absurdly talented he is, can play opposite. And honestly, he's not the best passer anyway, so you're not really losing much on that end. And then you can play some combination of Berger, Lanza, and Hogue on the wings. Last last uh, game, they actually went with Berger over Lanza on the outside. So we'll see if they go with that again or, or how they decide to mix it up. It's a tough uh, tough situation for Perugia, losing, obviously, their, one of their best players, one of their main offensive options in Anastasiewicz. Just an unfortunate situation for volleyball all around. It's too bad when you see things like this happen because they're avoidable. Again, it's tough to really know where the bad blood is coming from, what was said across the net, but escalating the situation by spitting in someone's face, 
absolutely inexcusable. And then on the other side, you don't want to go chase after the other players and you know start start fighting them. <laughs> Not a good look. Not a good look for Atanasevich. We'll see. He's only missing one game ultimately. So, anyways, probably enough about that situation. So if you couldn't tell, I'm gonna give dual losers of the week one to Santiago Arduna, and also just to Perugia, partly for getting involved in this nonsense and also for losing one of their best players to a very avoidable situation in an extremely important moment in their season. Now for the performances of the week, not nothing to stand out this weekend. A few short matches, a few good but flawed performances. But first up, we have Jor Grosier with 25 points, including eight aces. But he's, he's not my winner, he's just a nomination. And that is only because he hit 15 of 37 with a decent amount of air so in there. So not a great hitting performance, but man, eight aces and then two blocks. A huge reason why Zenit St. Petersburg got that win over Lo- Lokomotiv Novosibirsk. And then honorable mention also, Marko Ivovich for Novosibirsk on the other side had six aces. So a lot of strong serving in this match. Aaron Russell in Trentino's victory over Padova had 16 for 21 hitting. That was his only points. So he only ended up with 16 points. But still, 76% hitting. Sure, he was getting set up with a lot of single blocks from Simone Gianelli. But still, he, he was doing a really good job at tooling, hitting around the block, finding open spots on the floor. He's one of those guys where his good games are really, really good, and I think that showed here. Very strong hitter. Definitely looking healthier than he was in the Super League playoffs last year, where if you remember, he kind of had those nagging back issues and was limited for a lot of that. So great to see Aaron healthy. Not sure I totally agree with the choice of the mustache he's been rocking recently. But, you know, to each their own. Wonder if he'll keep that for the summer. And he also had the MVP in that match as well. But my performance of the week, haven't given out a setter performance of the week recently, but this one is going to go to Michael Mazny of Zavierci in for helping orchestrate that 3-1 upset win over Zach's that I talked about in my winners of the weekend. He didn't really have a super impressive stat line. Three points with one block, an ace, and a dump. And only a 49% kill percentage for his team. But that huge upset win. And just the great, great way that he orchestrates his team. Improves the ball every single time he touches it. Really is kind of a leader within that team. The guy is almost 40 years old. Having a kind of renaissance here. I I love these old setters because a lot of the time... They don't have the huge hops. They don't have the speed of the younger setters, but they just have such good hands, something that doesn't seem to decline with age quite as much, and also really good game sense. Know which guys to set at which time. Have so much situational awareness to draw from. So Michael Masny, not a stat line that shows up on the box score necessarily, but really if you watch the match, you saw how important he was to the game in how much he directed the course of action, getting that 3-1 win over Zaksa Kadzers and Kajle. And a lot of people pointed out on my video of the best players in the Plus Liga on YouTube. You can check that out at the channel 5-1 Volleyball. A lot of people pointed out that Michael Masny, you know, they, they thought he should have been the backup setter of the year after Tony Udi. Instead of I chose Antoine Brizard, who I, I think I still defend that position as being the second best setter in the Plus Liga. But a lot of people are like, hey man, you're underrating Michael Masny. He was like 
the main reason why Xavier Archie had the season they did. He did a really good job orchestrating the team, did a really good job of putting Mark Lebedeau's amazing offense into action, and he is just one of the best setters in the Plus Liga at just about age 40. So well done for him. Kind of reminds me a lot of a uh, William Arjona in the way he plays personally. I'd like to hear what you guys think about that. So the last thing I want to talk about this episode is the Italian Super League semifinal matchups, which happen starting tomorrow on Tuesday, or maybe today, if you're listening to this a little bit later. In the first matchup, I've talked about a little bit already between Perugia and Modena. I already discussed how the absence of Atanasevich might affect that matchup. Modena looking pretty good, though. Micah Christensen has come in and he seems to be playing fully healthy because he is just making that team massively better. His chemistry with Max Holt is awesome right now. His chemistry with Ivan Zaitsev is great, finding him in the right spots. Even with Atanasevich being out and Modena playing a lot better, still definitely going to pick Perugia though overall. I still think they struggle a bit to put down balls, especially if Zaitsev isn't having a fantastic game. Still a little bit weak on the outsides. I think some of Perugia's serving strength, which wins them a lot of matches, I think it, that is mitigated a bit by Modena's really good passing between either Tilly or Bednorge and then Ernaut and Rossini. Very good passing lineup. But we've seen that Perugia in their regular season matches. They've still been able to get their aces on Modena despite that. And if Perugia didn't even serve that well in the quarterfinals or in the Champions League semifinals, so they are a bit rusty right now, but if they manage to get back into that groove they had midway through the season where they were getting like three aces a set, I think this could be a quick series. But we'll see. Atanasevich being out for the first one really does impact this series in a material way. Zaitsev is going to need to be huge for Modena. He's going to need to have a couple like 25 plus point games and score more efficiently than he has been kind of in the, in the end of the regular season. On the other side of the bracket, Trentino is going to play Lube Civitanova. Ooh, this is a juicy, juicy series. We saw them meet at a very high stage earlier this season in the Club World Championships, where Trentino was victorious in four sets. Aaron Russell with 20 points in that match. Kovacevic was pretty good. Liznach was great with 12 points from the middle. Trentino has had a few injury issues the last few weeks. Remember that Liznach was out for a decent number of games, and then Kovacevic missing that game in the first round where they actually lost to Padova. Huge to have Kovacevic back, even though he didn't have an absolutely amazing game against Padova in that uh, series-deciding game. You can tell just how much he impacts the game. Even when he's not scoring really well, he puts a lot of service pressure on. He's an excellent passer. I think his passing has gotten noticeably better this year. Great blocker. And just a tricky guy who provides a lot of energy for his team. Lube, though, has been on a tear recently. Can't even remember really the last time they lost the match. They absolutely embarrassed Skra Belshatov in the Champions League semifinals. So that was really impressive to see. And they're just on a roll. I've, I know I've said this on podcasts before, but Lube Chivitanova, they're, they're going to be a dangerous team in the next few weeks. And of course, if the prophecy is to continue... Lube needs to beat Trentino to come get to the finals and then come in second place again because that's pretty much what they've done the last, you know, six or seven big tournaments that they've played in. The only player I think that could play a lot better on Lube Civitanova is Osmani Wantarena. 
I think is going through a bit of a slump right now. Even his slumps are still really strong. But you've noticed the players that have won the MVPs and they've relied on the last few matches have been Yoandri Liao and Robert Landy Simon, as well as Sedan Sokolov. And of course, Grabenikov and Bruno are good too. But those three guys have been kind of the main offensive weapons. Juan Torreira has taken a bit of a backseat. Had a couple of games where he's you know hit hit well below 50%. So this is definitely the toughest series they've had so far. They've had a bit of time off. Only took two games to beat Verona. Although they did have a bit of a scare in that first match versus Verona. Which if you remember, they only won 18-16 in five sets. And Verona gave up quite a few match points to let Lupe Civitanova get to that point. So we'll see. We'll see which side of Lube Chivinov we get. I hope this is a competitive matchup. I feel like all the matchups I think are going to be competitive this year just really haven't turned out that way. So hopefully this one can actually prove itself. And then in the Polish Plus Liga, we have Warsaw versus Strzepci Vigil playing tomorrow, April 16th. So we'll see if Warsaw convinces someone to get their butt over there or else we're going to see Siobhan Vernon Evans. Which again, not the worst thing ever, but certainly changes the dynamics of the series. And then Xavier Chi versus Zaksa and Kajle taking place on Wednesday. Win or go home for Zaksa, so you'll know they're going to be trying their absolute hardest in order to return to Kajdrzyn Kajle. But it's tough playing an elimination match in Xavier Chi. I think Zaksa, I'd definitely still favor them. Definitely still favor them, but oof, going to be a tough one. They're going to have to dig deep in order to pull this one out. But then again, I could I could see them playing up to their usual potential and just easily winning 3-0. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Definitely the most exciting match probably of the week. And then there's a game for fifth place between Belchatov and Radom. I'm sorry, Plusliga, you're not going to get me to care about these games, especially while there are way better playoff matches going on. I just I don't care who's going to be fifth and sixth. You should just do it based on regular season finish. To avoid these extra games, having the players play extra games is just unnecessary, unfair to the players. Fans don't really care about them. Maybe they do in Poland, but not a great idea in my opinion. So that's going to be it from me today from the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast. going to be posting lots of highlights from the matches I've been talking about, so remember to check out and follow at 5-1-VB. I'm sure most of you guys do that already. going to try and come out with an episode on Thursday talking about the games on Tuesday and Wednesday because then I will be gone for Easter weekend. Probably just going to be in the same style of these, just kind of a recap talking about the matches, what we can look forward to going forward. And because there's going to be some exciting results, I'm really pumped for this uh, semifinals of the Italian league. Starting to get serious here. We finally whittled it down to the big four for I think, I think it's been the big four in the semifinals. Same four teams for since 2015, 2016. So this is where the real Italian league starts. All this, all this other stuff was just preparation for the next few weeks. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and have a good week.